as we cover many an insane movie and numerous cult TV phenomenons. Are you ready to get jacked up? Are you with us? Then listen on. for the weary is on occasion time for some batshit crazy b movies so here john mark and i <laughs> some of the warlock trilogy that's right <laughs> how are you today <laughs> i'm good <laughs> yeah so basically yeah warlocks i'd always kind of heard the terminology is like okay it's a male witch yada yada all that but uh when this popped up you know i didn't it was very inconsistent. I could never find all three of these at the video store, uh, on TV, more or less. Uh, one of the stars channels would show part two and, uh, sci-fi channel had a session with part three, which I heard was always one of the worst movies of all time. So I just, uh, I, I always came back to this cause whenever people brought up Julian Sands, there were all these people are like, yeah, did he play that one title villain in these other crazy movies from the late 80s early 90s and so i you know eventually i came back to it and rectified it because uh some of our favorite filmmakers uh anthony hickox and uh steve minor uh respectively of uh, you know other franchises like waxworth and friday the 13th were involved with this so i was like okay cool <laughs> um it's when i see this brought up it's definitely one of those it gets compared a lot to the Terminator and as well as just later franchises like Wishmaster. And so uh, that made sense to me, just some kind of evil, almost unstoppable force going after a bunch of humans for whatever reason. <laughs> it's not yeah, really that makes sense. yeah, not really so much a stalker as he is just, he wants these various rune stones that give him, you know, unstoppable power and, the care the whole point of it is just an excuse for just easygoing frills and the main villain to just be hammy <laughs> exactly that's the point there's really no other point yeah um uh and another reason i kept somehow getting prior to actually see sitting down and seeing it um yeah in recent years the hbo cinemax uh channels and even places like el rey and other channels that like to show you know uncut cult movies have been playing these a lot um but uh i i, I it always struck me as wild as how uh, david twahai uh you know the riddick franchise the fugitive movie and uh you know just countless other things gi jane uh oh yeah 
the submarine thriller below, you know, so just the list goes on. Critters 2, he, uh, a perfect getaway. So, you know, this was wild how this was one of his earliest writing credits before he just became the other go-to guy to make, you know, people, you know, hero on the run type movies. <laughs> and um, I was always surprised that he never got involved with some other Joel Silver franchise, you know. <laughs> That's true. If not Jerry, yeah, if not Jerry Bruckheimer. Um, so this is kind of wild how, what was your introduction to this uh, New World Pictures reject transferred to early Trimark, which was Lionsgate before it was th- was a thing? <laughs> uh, I think my introduction was, I was going through Steve Miles' filmography, and this is one of the ones that I didn't see. This is just a few years ago. And that's what was so wild. You know, we were talking about him last episode uh, before we got started. And yeah, when I when I saw him at a convention, you know, they listed all his movies. You know, he's been involved with the, you know, Friday movies as well as, uh, you know, Halloween H2O and, you know, Lake Placid. And I did not see that listed on there. Either I was blind or I didn't see it listed. I was like, really? OK, I <laughs> thought he got some acclaim for this one. But um, he's had a steady TV career. He did one of my favorite uh horror fantasy shows called the gates which despite crappy you know ads for it i actually thought was a really good show despite lasting only one season but yeah he was heavily he's been heavily involved in a lot of things and he seems to enjoy anything he can get he regardless of whether he's a mercenary for hire or if he's actually heavily creatively involved so yeah happy for him because that's rarity uh Julian Sands, uh, long story short, you know, it just he's one of those British actors. I'm surprised he's never been a bigger name. He's kind of a semi-big name. He's one of those people recognized from stuff like Leaving Las Vegas and uh, uh, The Killing Fields. Uh, I, uh, He's definitely one of my favorite uh, comic book people. will know him as briefly playing uh, Jor-El, the father of Superman on the CW show A Smallville. But uh, I was... He's one of my favorite. Uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> a little, a little wackier. He's done some other guest appearances on stuff like uh, Ghost Whisperer and uh, Person of Interest. Uh, but uh, I, he's always going to be my favorite villain on the show. Twenty four. Uh, I, I just, it, he absolutely nailed that uh, uh, Bierko uh, Russian separatist villain. Yeah, uh, but. Yeah, he's done plenty of other ones. He's just always been just kind of an unusual face where you just instantly know it, and he just always surprises you, which says a lot, because if you didn't otherwise think it, you'd be like, okay, yeah, he's clearly going to be bad. But, I mean... Obviously. Uh, I've seen him in other movies. He's really good, yet briefly seen in uh, Naked Lunch. He's the love interest in A Room with a View, which is a period piece movie that's not really my thing. I thought he was actually pretty good in that otherwise mediocre Jackie Chan film, The Medallion. <laughs> Just to have uh, a scene, so there you go. That's all good. <laughs> it was pretty forgettable. <laughs> yeah, he's done. He has an extravagant uh, movie and TV list. He's was briefly even played the priest on the show uh, Banshee. But uh, it, yeah, he's just hmm. he's been here and there. Uh, you never know what to expect from him because he's just that welcoming of a quirky actor and uh i mean he's done some star wars video game voiceovers but i was always surprised he actually wasn't actually in one of those movies he's just seems like the kind of guy who would be a german you know kind of indiana jones kind of villain it seems like the closest he got was like 
Ocean's 13, but whatever. I digress. Well, I, also, I also remember him in... If I remember, he was in Blood and Bone at one point. Yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah, the Michael J. White movie. Yeah. Oh, that's right. I always forget that he's on uh, the Scar- Stargate SG-1 franchise very later seasons. And hmm. actually, ironically, playing a character not too far from <laughs> this one, the Warlock. <laughs> I, I am convinced that after seeing that and re-seeing these, that, that's totally why they casted him. They're like, who's that guy who was in those weird movies I saw on those movie channels? <laughs> oh, that guy. Get him. <laughs> yeah, he's been in some other stuff. He's in this Highlander-esque uh, fantasy adventure film. Uh, uh, what's it called? Um, <clears throat> Hiroken, The Last Samurai. He's in The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo briefly. Um He's been in some other heist movies and it just he's kind of just the go to guy. If you just need, I've seen some people encounter him at uh, at some uh, conventions and he seems like he's fine. But um, <laughs> he's definitely been one of my favorite multiple uh, Law and Order guest actors. I'd see him. He's played multiple different roles. Um, I think the thing that oh, yeah. makes him stand out is just that you never really, aside from just not knowing what to expect from him and using the element of surprise to his advantage as a performer, he 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 just really just always gives it a hundred, and sometimes even just becomes an unexpected antihero where he's like he's not necessarily a villain, but he is some kind of opposing force or just some unusual foreign uh, presence. <laughs> he's just being yeah. representative or. Uh, just, or like part of some love triangle where it's like, oh God, <laughs> he's he's what's keeping this from becoming a pretentious premise, whatever it is. Um, and like any of these British actors, he's done his share of bullshit where he's being the villain in an otherwise, you know, low budget B movie. But he's done enough mm-hmm. big budget skill stuff. I think you can let that slide. <laughs> he's not. Okay. He's clearly not going to be an Anthony Hopkins, Alan Rickman type, but he's definitely still. I mean. The fact that he's in even done a lot of video game works, including the Call of Duty games, I, th- I think you can safely say he's got his realm. Uh, healthy mix of both A-list acclaim and just geekdom. <laughs> savvy roles. Um, and the fact that he was at a convention doing autographs for these kinds of movies, I, I think that says it all. Um, yeah. Yeah, what, what's your overall impression on this first movie? You know, you've seen... The first one i've seen all three of these because they're just on cable tv non-stop uh how does it flow as a as a whole milkshake of a movie <laughs> well let's see from my remember i remember being you know pretty decent not only with his pacing but also steve Miner's direction and some of the performances especially richard e grant yeah who i've always found to be pretty underrated actually yeah i I would put them actually both in the same category because i mean he's been getting a lot of acclaim lately for uh that one uh writer documentary he did with melissa mccarthy and a bunch of other he did that other right but but i mean he's done some other recent movies like uh, hitman's bodyguard and yeah <laughs> he's kind of known he did like a play version of doctor who and got some acclaim from the whovians as they call it the fan base of that so yeah he's kind of been another guy who's just kind of been all over the place he's in one of my favorite serial killer movies uh 
from the 90s. Uh, what's it called? That uh, Richard E. Grant. Excuse me, gents. <laughs> well, I could say he's in one of my favorite horror films, which is Bram Stoker's Dracula. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah, Gosford Park. He's in one of the recent Star Wars movies. He's briefly in Logan as like a key scientist role, which really surprised me. Uh, I actually remember he was cast in that. Yeah. I thought he was going to be with Mr. Sinister, and nope. I'm like, damn. You're right. He's being a likable, ah, I'm playing God. <laughs> <laughs> um, God. Uh, what's the one? 96. It's one serial killer movie. Um, the Cold Light of Day. That's what it is. It's basically inspired by the same <laughs> story that's been the inspiration for other movies like uh, uh Fritz Lang's M, as well as uh, The Pledge with Jack Nicholson. It's this one serial killer movie from, like, Sweden or something they keep adapting, and uh, that was a really underrated uh, early 90s uh, movie he did. You can only find it on places like on VHS or on YouTube, but it's a good thriller where he basically uh, just has to stay close to this family and kind of subtly use them to draw out the killer he's been stalking. Um, He's also a brief part in Robert Altman's The Player um, and other just uh, lampoon type comedies like With Nell and I, How to Get Ahead in Advertising. Um, yeah, uh, he he really embraces this. He doesn't really do it campy, but when it comes time for him to exchange a witty line, he times it rather well while still being serious in character instead of just wailing on <laughs> the viewer. Uh, yeah. Lori Singer, I think, is a decent heroine, but there's really not much to her character. And from what trivia I could find about this movie, apparently she was very difficult to work with, the director. Uh, she's best, better known for being the love interest in uh, uh, Footloose. So, well, that's oh, a shame. Well, <laughs> I still haven't seen that, and I don't really care to, so there you go. That's all good. Uh, <laughs> it's actually a better movie than... Everyone thinks it's just a musical. It's more just a fun kind of coming of age kind of movie. Ah, <laughs> uh, okay. I'm not even all that much into dancing, but I, I mean, it's an easy crowd pleaser of a movie. Um, especially for Kevin Bacon fans. Um, but yeah. Um, I think this movie flows rather well. I don't ever feel like it really runs out of steam. I wouldn't call it formulaic, but it is kind of one of those movies. It meant you really know what's going to happen, but you are still interested in seeing what happens. Uh, it, it's just kind of one of those, it's, it's just easy going. It's lightweight. It it provides the popcorn value. Um, it's really not too violent of a movie other than like the brief eyeball scene and yeah, just the gory, <laughs> just yeah. violence at the very end. But uh, uh, yeah, I, I really don't have any quibbles with this. I'm actually surprised at how many people actually like it because these typically were the kind of movies people would just, you know, roast they they just would not be taken aback by them too happily um i still need to get the vestron series of the lionscape blu-ray that came out because i know there's some extra features and it just looks like fun it's just way too expensive for my taste so i'm waiting for it to go down since i frequent ebay for these kind of movie collectibles um i might get that as well when it's cheaper 
Right. 26 is still a little too much. So. Oh, no. Mm-mm. Yeah, wait for it to go down to at least 10, maybe 13. <laughs> um, <Your> no price. <laughs> it was something. Uh, so this was followed by a reboot movie, and it's kind of weird because it kind of follows it, yet while kind of going its own route. Uh, you know, as a fan of Hickox, I know he gets a bad bashing because some people just don't like what he did with uh, Hellraiser and whatnot. Uh, I actually don't mind him just as a person. I think he, you know, you know him from doing stuff like Full Eclipse and yeah, other direct-to-video action movies like Submerged. Uh, what's the other one he did with Eddie Griffin and uh, Blast? Vinnie Jones Blast. I actually kind of like that because it's either oh, right. writer or diehard. Uh he a lot of people just seem to just really just well on him they just i don't know <laughs> i think he's done pretty good b action movies and has a good idea i mean he did the larry cohen uh kidnapping thriller invasion of privacy he did the he's done some brief tv work he's done some my favorite dolph lundgren movies like Stormcatcher, um and some armin ashanti films for hbo like federal protection and consequence <laughs> last run but uh, yeah, uh, even the wacky Bruce Campbell comedy, Sundown, The Vampire in Retreat. So, I mean, all I can say is if you don't really know what to expect, I think he's pretty solid at just uh, biting what he can handle on any kind of budget and embracing uh, the beast specta- spectacle. We'll return after these messages. Hey, feeling down? Feeling low? Not enough podcasts about movies in your life? Why not try... They must be destroyed on sight! The new Podcast Cure-All, sure to get you right with the world and on a path to better living. We have exploitation, we have Italian horror, we have zombies, we have slashers, we have crime films, we have spaghetti westerns, we even have sci-fi and sex comedies. So take a dose of... They must be destroyed on sight! As needed, and let the hosts, Lee Russell, Daniel Harper, Paul Romali, and the odd guest host, Cure What Ails Ya. Warning, may cause atrophy, African consumption, black fever, bone shave, chin puff, colic, cramp colic, dropsy of the brain, elephantitis, grocer's itch, jaundice, mania, miasma, mortification, palsy, pox disease, rheumatism, scurvy, St. Anthony's fire, summer complaint, and worm fit in some people. Consult a physician before listening. Hey, I heard you like movies. I heard you like to hustle. I heard you like podcasts. Well, guess what? There's a podcast for you out there called The Home Video Hustle. Damn right. Every Friday, we talk about whatever movie PJ picks out the bag. What does that mean? Every Wednesday on our YouTube page, I put a bunch of movies in a bag, and PJ picks one out at random. And then we just watch it. We talk about it for maybe like an hour, hour and a half, two hours. Whatever we feel like doing, wherever the conversation leads us. But do we actually talk about the movie? Most of the time. Ah. Tangents galore. Yes. So believe me, we may be a movie podcast, but it's not always about movies. We might talk about video games. Mm-hmm. Music. music. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. the big one, music. Uh, sometimes we might get a little bit of politicalness in there. Yes. Sometimes we may just, oh, we know what we like to do. We like to tell stories, please. Yeah, yes. I am the master storyteller <laughs> yes. of the podcast realm. 
undefeated. So if you like to hear about movies, video games, whatever foolishness comes to our mind, the most random stuff you can think of, check out the Home Video Hustle. You can find us on the Stitchers, yes, the Google Play, yes, Apple Podcasts, what else? Podbean, what else? Podcast Addict, goddamn, all that. Ain't no reason you can't get your hustle on. We everywhere, worldwide, baby. Hustle, motherfucking hustle. Hey, we can't cuss in the promo, PJ. Ah, we gotta be family friendly. There may be podcasts out there that don't want his hair to say. Ah. Yeah, yeah. Right. good fun stuff. <laughs> well, <laughs> you. <laughs> no, don't, don't run the listeners away, Pete. Ah, I'm sorry. But this is going kind of long. Yes. So we'll end this and say, hey, check out the Home Video Hustle every Friday on all the various podcast outlets. Peace. Peace. As far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. And while Witch didn't make it to the top of the world, he did make the Gangs of Hollywood podcast. So join the gang and enjoy a movie review podcast about movie gangs, gangsters, mobsters, and the mayhem they cause. You can find GOH Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at GOHpod at www.gohpod.com as well as your favorite podcast listening app. And remember, say hello to your little friend for me. If you take two old punk rockers who are past their prime, put them in front of a movie screen and give them a podcast, what do you get? Cinema punks. Cinepunks. It's the mixtape of movies. Did you ever see a film at such a young age it left you traumatized with cinematic wounds? Uh, necrophilia. Uh, uh. It's a dead issue, man. Don't don't push it. Cinema PsyOps is a weekly podcast documenting an ongoing experiment on the mind of an unwilling test subject. No one should have to watch this movie. Oh, no one should have to watch this. No one should have to watch this movie. Surprisingly, it's not a topic that a lot of people really want to tackle. I'm shocked, prudes. I know, really. Right? It's the next sexual frontier that no one wants to explore. I am, in the most sincerest of senses, disappointed in you. It takes a powerful goddess like Connie, jam her arm down the monster's throat and kill it. Oh, I'm still tripping out over that. Even as a kid, I was like, I gotta find a girl like that. Every week, I, I get a new look of disappointment that I never thought I could get it's out of. Unimaginable. At 12 years old, you should not be watching this one. Obviously. At 13, you should not be. 14, you shouldn't be. I'm not entirely sure even 17 year olds should be watching this. Just because you're offended by something doesn't mean that you have the right to demand that it doesn't exist. Watching this film again, I had all of this like little nerd glee with everything that kept little history doll yeah, popping up absolutely. at you. So I totally loved this film. Hey, I know why you you know, couldn't see that. It's because your brain's warped watching this shit at 12 years old. Yeah, this is this is a rough movie. I told you ahead of time when we were getting ready to do it that it was. How did you watch movie. this shit at 12? Because physical wounds heal, cinematic ones don't. Listen to Cinema Psyops. Hey everybody, I'm Corey. And I'm Zach. And we're the hosts of Podcasting After Dark, a cast dedicated to late night horror and sci-fi of the 80s and 90s, 
often found on HBO and Cinemax. You know, the movies your parents didn't want you watching as a kid. You can find us every other week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, and Stitcher. This is what you want. This is what you get. It's time, let's check our cue, baby. Pair it with a couple brews, baby. We love good movies. We love the bad ones, too. So we watch them all and pass their lessons on to you. Oh, yeah. Everything I learned from movies helps to make life a little bit groovy. With a one-life plot holes and gratuitous boobies. It's time to get busy with your friend Steven Izzy. At eilfm.podbean.com. Welcome to Who Was She podcast. I'm your host, Tara Jabari. After a decade working in documentaries, marketing, and all things digital media, I found that podcasting is a strong medium to share stories. After years of producing for others, I decided to start my own biographical podcast. Who Was She will focus on the life of a woman throughout Baha'i history. The first season is about Lydia Zeminoff. Lydia's story explores the subjects of the power of language and faith. Her father invented the universal language Esperanto, and she came from a Jewish family and became a Baha'i. She grew up during World War I and was killed during World War II in a concentration camp, despite heroic efforts to save her life. How can one person's life intersect with so many others, connect across borders, and inspire a biography which inspired this podcast? Over the next few weeks, I will share her story with you and the lives that were most affected by her and those who affected her life as well. They include her father, Ludwig Semenov, her spiritual mother, American journalist Martha Root, and the Baha'i German soldier Fritz Mako, who worked for the resistance undercover while having to serve the Nazi party. I want to thank the author, Wendy Heller, and George Ronald Publishing for their blessing to let me use Heller's biography, Lydia, The Life of Lydia Zeminoff, Daughter of Esperanto, as a main and instrumental resource for this podcast. So please subscribe and learn about this amazing woman who traveled through three continents in an effort to bring unity through the power of language. You can also find more information on our Instagram, Facebook, and Pinterest at Who Was She Podcast. Music was composed and performed by Sam Red. I am your host, Tara Jabari. Join us next time as we begin our journey about Lydia Zeminoff. Hi, everybody. It's Mac Jackson. I wanted to invite you to a new site called the Forever Adventure Network. This website has everything. Pictures, videos, blogs. There's original music by Harmony Constant. Two podcasts. One is the MacGyver podcast, where we celebrate Richard Dean Anderson, 
his iconic roles, and how it's influenced our lives. There's episode discussions, interviews, and life conversations. The second podcast is the Never Gets Old podcast, where we celebrate all the best things that we love in life, from TV, movies, music, and comics. The site is also the home for the MacGyver SG-1 audio series, an ongoing adventure series that continues the adventures of MacGyver and SG-1. There are also multiple stores to choose from for all of your pop culture and adventure needs. Come on by and check us out today. And thanks for joining the adventure. Are you sick of the same old stale podcast? Well, then join Vanessa and Darren as they dissect movies of all kinds. The two lifelong cinema lovers bring their favorites, curiosities, and first-time watches to the operating table and inject them with a healthy dose of snark. Then there's the waiting room, where they examine books and short stories. So just look for them on Apple Podcasts and where fine podcasts are available. They're part of the Legion Podcast Network. Follow them on Twitter at VD Clinic Pod. Join them on Facebook at facebook.com slash groups slash VD Clinic Pod. Or email them at vdclinicpod at gmail.com. They're ready to cure what ails you. <laughs> and still, they just might be a little contagious. We now continue with our program. I actually prefer Warlock 2. I know Radio Drum and other people don't care for this. Uh, this one is kind of just wild because it's kind of a neo-Western, if that makes sense. And, you know, the first one was kind of about, you know, the Druids and, uh, you know, just the witchcrafts. And this one, uh, basically... You know, they imply just flat out that the warlock is Satan's son, uh, capable of, you know, getting all these runestones and all this other stuff. But um, they just flat out just they don't really explain why the warlock is back, but they just they just cut to the chase. It's like he, he's here to wreck more havoc. <laughs> um, <laughs> OK. And and just they just flat out they make up for it by just offering some again, just some fun kills and. Another fun cast, uh, the guy playing the dad here is the same guy who's like the police captain in those uh, Lethal Weapon movies. Um, oh, okay. Zach Galligan has a brief role, uh, Joanna Pacula. Oh. Uh, so even Bruce uh, Glover. <laughs> so um, it's just a straightforward movie. I mean, let the Armageddon begin, the tagline. That's just all you need to know. Um, I love that. Yeah, there you go. The CGI is has not dated well, but because the fight is at least kind of creative, you kind of just can forgive it. Um, ironic how uh, Anthony Hickox uh, had earlier worked with uh, Bruce Payne on the full eclipse. Cause Bruce Payne is who later plays the warlock. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, all I can say is uh, it, it just flat out gets on with the mayhem. It's a lot of fun. They're uh, the way the townspeople kind of embr- 
react to this whole thing is kind of interesting. Um, the movie just embraces mayhem. Um, Uh, but yeah, I, I mean, if you're, this is not for the squeamish, but it's, it's not excessive, like to the point where it's kind of like a torture porn kind of, you know, movie. So it's, it's just straightforward mayhem. Uh, I, I find it, I find it a acceptable sequel to the first one. Um, not to check it out. Now, part three, that's kind of the kill joy. <laughs> I mean. Really not much shit happens for this movie for quite some time. Um, but mm. when it finally gets to the end, uh, it's kind of a lot of fun just seeing Bruce Payne just be over the top <laughs> like he always is. He's been in everything, Highlander, Endgame, Passenger 57, you know. So um, what else can I say? He's just a wacky dude. Um, it's interesting seeing... Uh, What's her name from uh, Ashley Lawrence from uh, Hellraiser herself? Oh, nice. <laughs> so, uh, yes, she can now say that she's fought both Pinhead and a Warlock. Um, I would always get her mixed up with uh, Danielle Harris from Halloween, but <laughs> it's a different discussion for another day. Um, yeah. This, this one kind of gets shit on also because the director was kind of a UK TV commercial director did casual made for tv directed video movies the writers were people who worked for lionsgate or other bullshit they were just the money men who had no business in the scripting world i think the biggest issue is it just feels too much like hitting on radio drums issue yeah it is trying to capitalize on the success of stuff like scream because that's just what every movie was doing at around this time i wasn't bored I just thought it was just kind of just a little schlocky and then just eventually like when the shit hit the fan, then it started getting interesting again. I definitely wouldn't call it as bad as say the, you know, Wishmaster free or four or just some of the more infamous Friday the 13 movies. Just, it's not that bad, but it is pretty dorky. It, it blurs the line between acceptable, uh, stylish movie in Mystery Science Theater fodder. So, go at your own pace. <laughs> That's all I could say. Um, otherwise, uh, it's kind of weird how this franchise has kind of gone on in pop culture. I mean, when people are looking for, you know, researching actual, you know, urban legends and they look up a warlock, it's impossible to look it up on Google Images without coming across a cover of one of these movies. <laughs> um that's true. Yeah. <laughs> I think what made at least the first the two movies work movie. for me is, you know, part one, even though there was some time travel at the beginning, you know, he gets thrust 300 years into the, you know, the present day, which at that time was, you know, late 80s. Yeah. Um, it, it didn't make the time travel be part of the whole deal. It's like, I'm fine with that because then it just becomes less argumentative. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, uh, uh, part two, it was kind of cool how it juggled all these elements. It had some suspense elements. It had some kind of, it still felt rather eighties, even though it came out in 93. Um, and apparently there was a video game of this and, oh, wow. 
Yeah. And although it was kind of bizarre because they make the villain be kind of the hero who you play as in the game. He's correcting all the stones and fighting people. And it's like, hmm. Mm, okay. I thank God there wasn't a big ethics committee review on video games at that time. Yeah, um, exactly. uh, there was a 2009 uh, comic book that I've been trying to read. And fortunately, you can find just about any comic book on the Internet if you look hard enough. And there's sites dedicated to it that get powered by ads that allow you to look at it up. Um, it was published in 2009, kind of its own standalone story. They weren't allowed to use Julian Sands likeness for whatever reason, probably not in the budget. Um, and so they just made it be some other kind of blonde, uh, serious face, stone cold dude. Um, yeah, so I, I kind of like how movie one and two both juggle a lot of elements, different genres. Uh, it's wild how there's just so many dark comedic elements in movie one that are either said by the villain or just during the harpoon fight where everyone's just struggling to even stay on their feet as they're you know getting dragged by this dude. Mm -hmm. um, movie two, you know, again, it's kind of it's pretty much a high noon type western when you take away all the uh, horror fantasy elements, but. Again, this is where he becomes more like Jason, where you're just kind of looking forward to the kills <laughs> and just all the mayhem. And I, I can totally understand why he ended up, you know, Anthony Hickox ended up being kind of just the go-to horror guy for a brief period. You know, I mean, he does, you know, Hell on Earth after this for Hellraiser franchise. But uh, I think this is the better movie overall. I mean, I think it, it's just... Uh, it, even though it's not too comedic, I just, again, I just like how the character is just menacing, um, even though movie two, one is just a little more lighthearted and laid back. Um, yeah. And Definitely. there's there's some good chemistry between the two protagonists. Um, yeah, I, I got nothing else to really input. <laughs> uh, I would rate, how would you rank the movie one? <laughs> hmm. Probably a three and a half, maybe a four. Probably three, three and a half. Yeah. Three and a half is about right. That's basically where these are. Uh, mm -hmm. That's where I would rank movie one and two. Uh, movie three, eh, it's a little complicated. It, it's Most people are going to rank it a one. I think realistically it's more of a two because it's going to, mileage is going to vary. Uh, since I watch all of these at two in the morning often, because this is when I have time to watch just outrageous movies like these that won't offend anyone else in my presence. Uh, it's definitely made for that kind of thing. Just watch it at two in the morning <laughs> and just uh, maybe bring some drinks and sense of humor with you. Um, so free for just the outrageous schlock factor and Bruce Payne's over the top performance. <laughs> um but yeah, the just pretty much are, we're in the same boat as we were with the mummy. Just stick with the first two movies. <laughs> they kind of they're they're, they're going to appeal to the same kind of crowd who likes stuff like Evil Dead and uh, even the Terminator movies. You know, just you know, we all had their our share of just watching other knockoffs of these. And I don't really think it's necessarily a knockoff. It's just more the same kind of. It uses just some of the same elements. I don't think it's fair to just call it just a straight up ripoff, <laughs> like Universal Soldier, you know. So, yeah, I wouldn't call it that. It, it, it's just using some of the similar copy and paste, but it's that's about it. I mean, 
not even the time travel is the same. It's just unstoppable force going after someone who has something the other villain wants. So, <laughs> uh, I think due to the simplicity, that's just why these are easy going, uh, gory action horror fare. Uh, yeah. that action scenes won't necessarily stand out and the horror isn't the scary kind, but it should still entertain just the B movie fandom in us. Um, mm-hmm. that's all I can really add to that. Um, so, uh, yeah, John, if you want to plug anything, go ahead. Other than that, <laughs> I think we're wrapped here. <laughs> well, if you want to follow me on Twitter, it's action fan five, five, five. Yep. <laughs> Frequent uh, mini reviews, whether they're posted on Action Lead or just, hey, you know, recently rewatched this, it holds up, or hey, it's got some issues. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. You're way more active. I need to start getting active again. Um, I'm just so blogged down with the podcast and work. Uh, other than that, thanks for being on here. <laughs> you're welcome. Anytime. <laughs> Follow us on the web on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. The podcast is available on Podbean, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Anchor, Apple, and anywhere else podcasts are available. Feel free to review our show and leave comments on any of those sites. Thanks a million for listening. It's a jacked up.